go a little wider. Prince Ball back for Marshall. The footwork, the footwork. Benji Marshall. Now the speed. The footwork again. Away from Peachy. Passes without looking. Away for Richard. Back to Fitz Henry. That is as good as you will see. Hi, guys. Welcome back to NRL Supercoach Tragics podcast. Um, I'm coach of the Tigers for Life, and I um, tonight we've got no Dano, so you'll have to excuse me. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll have a crack. Um, so tonight we've got a couple of special guests. We've got one, uh, which is Barnsey from the NRL All-Stars. So um, how are you going, Barnsey? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's um, it's exciting. I don't normally do too many of the video podcasts. I jump on a couple of the other ones that are just the audio and stuff, but it's nice to get a video one uh, up and going. So, yeah, cheers for having me. I'm going well and looking forward to State of Origin on Sunday. All right. So what we'll do before we go any further is what we always do with our guests is we like to talk a little bit about what you do. So can you tell everyone out there about your podcast? Because it's actually one of my favourite pods. So I'd like other people out there that do follow us to know about it. Yeah, cheers. I appreciate you guys listening to it as well. Look, NRL All-Stars podcast started off as the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast um, probably about five years ago. Uh, and it was just Supercoach. And the idea around it was, you know, the All-Stars moniker and everything was all about getting uh, a lot of different people to come on with me from the Supercoach community and stuff. So certainly all the past winners have been on and, and so forth. Um, and obviously podcast community grew and got a lot bigger. So some of those people like Wilfred branched out, did the champions and everything else, but um, they still all come back on board and everything. So moved on um, in the last year, it's been really exciting because I, I obviously am a super coach tragic, but I'm also an NRL tragic. So I do like talking about NRL and I've had the privilege of doing that a little bit on other podcasts and stuff. But um, now we've got two episodes a week. So one of the NRL All-Stars episodes is the Supercoach episode, which we do TLT each Tuesday and different things with that. And then at the end of each week, we record an NRL episode and that's got people uh, from just all around the, the traps, fans and, and different uh, people from the Supercoach community that want to talk NRL as well, as well as special guests. We've got um, Jamie Soward I'm recording with tomorrow to do a really good podcast I'm looking forward to on the NRL too. So, yeah, it's, if anyone wants to give us a listen, we're, we're everywhere. You can find the NRL All-Stars podcast and certainly subscribe and jump on Twitter and find us too. Yeah, I find the um, the one on Rugby League very interesting and I'm really looking forward to hearing the Jamie Soward one. I listened to the one you did the other day with Kane and, and Perse. I've listened to a few of them going back, the different mm. people you've done which have all been interesting. So uh, one more question, or two more questions. What's your super coach name? Uh, Barnstormers. Barnstormers? Uh, yep. Right. And uh, how did you go last week, mate? So last week, it's the worst week to come on the Tragics podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the month before last week, I had really good green arrows. Um, and actually, uh, two, two weeks in a row, I won like 10 out of 10 head-to-heads. And then the third week, I won eight out of 10 head-to-heads. And they're all, all cash comps aside from one or two, I think. Um, so that was all really good and it was all green arrows as well. So I, I've um, mentioned on the podcast, I've had a, a bit of a yo-yo time um, the last couple of months in particular where I'd have two really bad weeks and then have to catch for a couple and then actually make up ground again. So yeah, last week, unfortunately, is the first time in a month that I've gotten the red arrows. Um, got right around the 1200 mark, managed to beat Tim Moody in a head-to-head. So that was a plus, but I only won two out of my 10 head-to-heads with that score. Um, and I didn't ever really feel like I went that badly um, looking at my team and stuff. I thought it was okay. Captain Cleary, it was all right. Uh, and then, yeah, I just had a look and went, wow, you know, I've, I've dropped to like just over four and a half thousand in rank or two, four and a half thousand in rank, I should say. 
um, about 600 spots from where I was. So, yeah, so clawing back to that top 1,000, aiming for the round 17 buy. Um, at the start of the year, I started off on fire the first few weeks. I was closing in on top uh, 500, and it's uh, obviously the quick fall from grace there. But I reckon I'll hopefully get back there in the next few weeks. Yeah, buy rounds can be interesting. They, they, you often get a lot of movement up and down through the buys. It's the one that I try to navigate uh, through. But 4K is a good rank, especially for most of the guys in this pod. Um, we, we, apart from myself, we don't have many lower than, I don't know, I won't shoot numbers. I'll just let that <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's one of those years too, though, Glenn, where I think that you'll find like, you know, obviously I've, I've had Tim on the podcast and I've had um, Wilfred, a lot of guys, um, past winners and stuff. Um, VK, I try and get on, but he, he's jumped on a couple of years ago, but it's kind of going to be quiet of late but all, like everybody I talked to the first month actually started really badly um, all the past winners or past top teners and stuff none of them started well so I think a lot of them were actually clawing so it was a bit of a funny season uh, this year I think yeah the start was a bit sketchy it's good we had Tim on a couple of rounds ago and Wilfred's been promising us every round but he can't seem to negotiate the time with his work but I've been in under mortals comp with Wilfred for years and um, yeah he's having a good season this year so uh, Roscoe how you doing mate yeah, good. Yeah, and how'd your week go, mate? Ah, shit. Oh, <laughs> <really>? <laughs> in a nutshell, I got 11.62, which I thought might have been not too bad, but dropped about 2,000-something spots and all the way down to 21K now. So a bit of a fall from grace after finishing 159 last year, but I've had some green arrows the last few weeks, but last week was just one of those weeks. I picked all the wrong reserves, left a heap of points on the bench, and... Yeah, it was just, just like that. So, yeah, I'm trying to, got to try and get some numbers up for round seven in and claw my way back with a bit of luck. You'll get there, Roscoe. Yeah. What about you, Tim? How you going, mate? Yeah, evening, boys. Uh, good to be back on again after a couple of weeks off. Uh, joys of being a school teacher, and this time of year, we like to do our school camps in the middle of winter for some really, really strange reason. So I had uh, had year sevens up the sunny coast last week for three nights, and oh, for three days and two nights, and... Yeah, it was interesting doing the graveyard shift, walking around at midnight trying to uh, catch kids out doing uh, maybe not so much of the right thing. But no, they were really good, actually. It was um, it was a good camp to go on. I think it was too bloody cold for any of them to go outside after about 10.30. So uh, that made my job a bit easier. Um, yeah, look, boys, last week, not a bad week, actually. I, well, I had a good week, but the result didn't come through, which was quite surprising. At a 12.17, which, um, like what Barnsley said, I thought um, low 1200s was, was looking all right. I actually got a red arrow first at red arrow in uh, in a while and dropped back. It was only 307 places, but when you're trying every week to claw back up, it's, um, yeah, it was a bit of a tough one to, to take. So I'm back in 19,000, 19,100. Um, yeah, so like Roscoe, it's nowhere near the uh, top 250 that we were last year, but it's... Um, yeah, it's some, sometimes you just take it. Like what Barnsley said, it's um, a lot of us started differently this year, trying to do different things. And I started back in 85K for after about round three. And, um, yeah, lots of green arrows since then. But, unfortunately, now it's getting to a point where you just got to do things a little bit differently again. So I've tried to hold trades. I've still got 13 trades left. I've got one boost left. Um, I had cash in the bank. I used that to make two higher ceiling uh, center wing upgrades last week that I wasn't necessarily planning on, but I figured it's about time where I've got to do something. Um, otherwise, I'm going to get stuck in 20K. So, yeah, I've got, at this stage, I've got 11 for round 17, and um, and that's before trades this week. So, yeah, things should hopefully be up and up. At, at this point, I'm aiming for 10K if I can um, 
get from uh, get from 85, 90k, whatever, back to 10k. I think that's uh, that's not a bad shout for for clawing my way back, and then um, yeah, go back to the drawing board for next season. Interesting. We'll we'll talk more about it next week when we do our pod about mentioning some of the pods to people. Like a lot of people are are building very similar sides, and I don't think that they understand that if you have the same side, you're not going to achieve you're going to pretty much stay where you are, especially at the end. A lot of teams tend to build very similar sides. So you really need to get those one or two uh, high ceiling pods in there. Uh, so my round wasn't too bad. It was. It started off really good and then it kind of declined. So I ended up with uh, 1,258. I, I actually played Tim this week and won. But before bragging, he's actually paid me twice this year and won both those. So, you know, it's 2-1 his way. Um and I moved up to 6K, so which is, you know, I only went up about 400K, 400, so it wasn't a big jump. Um, so, look, tonight what we're going to do, guys, we're going to talk about state of origin. I don't think there's much point talking about Supercoach this round. We'll get on to that next week. And so what I brought uh, Barnsley on, because he always likes to talk footy, I thought we'll talk about um, the New South Wales and the Queensland side. So what we'll do is we'll start first with the New South Wales side, and I'll just quickly read out so people know what they are. There was five changes and there was eight adjustments, if you like, in the side. So the the I'll just let me guys here. So the ins are Burton, Appi, Gerbo, Gus, and Talakai. The outs are Whiten because of COVID, and then Stags, RCG, Maddo, and Sims were hooked. Um, so we'll talk about those. And then obviously we had um, Burton's come in onto into centre. Critters also come into centre. Appi's come on to start for Cook. Gerbo's come on to start for RCG and Murray has come in onto the second row spot for Sim. So we'll start with you, Mark. i just ask you first, what do you think about the changes? Is there any there that you didn't like coming in or is there any there that you thought should have been there? Um, I didn't mind the changes, to be honest. I actually thought they were quite good. Um, and I sort of, I think there's a, there's probably three key points that are really overblown with all the changes. Uh, and it's, again, it happens all the time with the media. They want to sensationalise any changes and stuff. But I, I find it funny. Like when I see Damien Cook's been dropped um, as a headline, I just find that hilarious because, you know, there's at this day and age, if you've got two hookers and one of them's going to play the first 20, the other's going to play 60, who cares? Harry Grant was playing off the bench for the Storm all the time and still considered probably the Australian hooker on form. Like, really doesn't make any difference. So you, you see a lot of those headlines and you just sort of think it's silly. Um, the other one was the amount of changes, like people are talking about eight, nine changes and this sort of stuff, when the reality is, you know, um, some of those guys have been cycled in for different reasons. So some of those changes, yeah, Clint Gutherson is considered a change. He's not. He's coming in because they want to, a legitimate fullback to cover for Teddy because they're going to Perth for a week. You know, all, all those guys outside the 17, you can't even consider them changes because they were never going to play anyway. Uh, and they're there for specific cover, which which Fitler spoke about. So I don't mind any of those. In fact, I wouldn't even look past, you know, the, the top 18 squad anyway. Uh, as far as the guys that are going to actually play, um, I, I like what New South Wales did as far as, um, I, I think they've adjusted to the ruck. And I'm not one that really prescribes to its panic because you've got three games in a series and you've got to win and you've got to win two of them. And one's already out the door for New South Wales. You know, you lose this one, you're done. So why aren't you going to make changes? You're going to persist with with guys that you know didn't work in round one. And some of them, I, I didn't think it was their fault. So just really quickly with the players, you've got guys coming in. Um, like a Talakai off the bench is someone who can get fast play the balls, but, but by a token of getting the tackle breaks, he actually breaks tackles and has half-break tackles, which don't get measured a lot, where 
there's guys hanging off him to the side where he ends up with no markers a lot and he can play the ball quickly. So, again, all this stuff is to negate all the ruck problems. Angus is a really good power runner and he's also quite fast over the 10 to 15 metre mark. So that leg speed that he has, he gets quick play of the balls as well as half breaks. Yeah, that's very different to a Regan Campbell-Gillard. Um, it's very different even to a, a Tarek Sims. Those guys aren't very good at fast play of the balls or dominating the ruck. They're, they're bash and barge guys. So it makes total sense, and it's adjusted on how the game was called in the first game. Um, so I, I quite liked it all. Matt Burton, I think, is fantastic. Um, I, I never would have had Stags there to begin with. I would have had Campbell Graham and I would have had Crichton, and that was quite easy picks for me. But I think in the form that Matt Burton's been in the last six weeks, it's kind of the opposite to some of the other picks. Like there's guys that people have sort of stuck solid with on both camps that maybe haven't been in form. Whereas Burton is a genuine guy where New South Wales need a winner coming off a loss. And they're looking at a guy now that's been in at least, you know, four to even six weeks of really quality form who solves a kicking problem for New South Wales because Cleary really struggled as the only kicker. Luai isn't a strong kicker. Damien Cook isn't the best cooker out of, kicker out of dummy half anyway. And then you've got Matt Burton coming in who can attack with kicks more than probably anyone else in the competition. So that solves that. So I feel like every single change pretty much solved a problem for New South Wales from game one. And it wasn't problems that I think Brad Fittler necessarily would have had to have known about going in. You know, and that gets spoken about a lot too. And not to go on about it, I'll, I'll give you another 30 seconds and I'll leave it to you guys. But like Corey Parker was going on about it, you know, the last couple of days saying, New South Wales weren't prepared and this and that, it's state of origin, you're not going to get penalties. Well, yeah, but if you're standing at the six, seven metre mark, you're going to get penalised even if it's origin. And if you're holding guys down 30 seconds more than what you should be, then you're going to get penalised. I'm not saying that was happening all the time, but the point is they're still going to get penalties blown. So I just think that that was probably more lenient in the ruck than what we've seen before and New South Wales have adjusted. And at the end of the day, it was only a six-point you know, difference. The Queensland scored, what can you say? They won game one and they've stuck strong and they should have because they had a fantastic performance. So you have to back what they've done in game one and say that it was good that they stuck strong as well. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I'll just I'll move on to the boys, and the other boys in a second. So I've got one more question to ask you. What about Maddo? Did you think he deserved to be dropped? I didn't, know. That was probably the one that I wouldn't have done because he is someone that can play better than what he did and that he's in good form and he's a big body, but also someone that has a bit of agility and he can get the fast play the balls and things as well. I, I thought it, he was just unlucky. Like, but at the same time, I think that Fittler explained it pretty well in the Blues camp as well with Alexander said they wanted, um, they didn't want to be weak if they had to cover a centre spot and they had Steve, Stephen Crichton there before. Um, Talakai is the best bet for that. You know, he's better at Maddo at covering an outside back going down. Yeah. Um, but he can also play in the middle pretty much as well as what Maddo can or on an edge. So I, I think Madison is unlucky, but I think it makes sense. And I do think that Angus is a better fit for um, that type of role anyway that Madison had. Yeah, I, I think if you've seen the side that I posted in the chat that we talk, I had Burton as the, my 14. I had Campbell Graham and I had Critter as my centres. So I, I always had him in the mix. Uh, I, I really like Burton. I like that connection he's got with the Panthers. What I like about Maddo, though, that I didn't get to see in that game, which I think he would have offered New South Wales, is the offloading game in that second phase play. Yeah. And, um, and as you point out rightly, we, we didn't get to see that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I'll come. To, sorry, Matt. Uh, mate, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're right. I, I was just agreeing with you. It's all good. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a shame that he didn't perform, uh, get to perform well. I don't think he had the opportunity to. So I, I think that he's probably the only one that I'd say was unlucky. Um, I, I think the rest are pretty much fair enough, really. 
yeah, I agree with the dropping of every single player. Sims should never have been there in the start for mine, and or nor Stags. Uh, I'll, I'll come to you now, Ross. Just before I do, I'll let other people know what the extended bench is. So that's Sawali, McLean, Radley, Hines and Gutho. I like all of them bar McLean. Um, so I'll come back to you again uh, on the five ins and outs, Ross. What do you think about the additions and the subtractions? Look, I don't mind it. Um, there's obviously a couple that I'm still a bit scratching my head at. I'm not sure how Liam Martin's still getting a starting spot after his shocker in the first game. I didn't think he really brought much in. He didn't make many metres. I think Campbell Gillard was probably a bit unlucky to get dropped too. I think he should probably kept the bench spot over Junior Paulo and myself. Um, Jerbo, I don't mind his selection. I mean, we probably missed him that first game. He just, you know, the, just the way he defends, he's just such a good defender. I know he's not playing his best footy this year, but he just bring he will bring a lot to that team. He really will. Um, Maddo, yeah, Maddo was probably unlucky too, to be honest with you. But again, like Mark said, I get why Freddie's done it. Um, but he probably could have, I don't know, he probably could have got a bench spot maybe I, I still. But um, yeah, I, I'm good to see Matt Burton get a go. I think it'll take a bit of pressure off Cleary with his kicking game as well. Um, the only other change I would have made is I, I know Tupu didn't have a bad first game and probably didn't warrant to get dropped, but I probably would have had Car on the team, to be honest with you. But um, but other than that, look, I think we've got to make changes. That's the thing. We've been We've been completely dominated you know, in the ruck that first game. So we had to make changes. And, you know, when Harry Grant and Carrigan came on, they just destroyed us through the middle and we just didn't recover from it. I think we did well to only lose by six points. So, yeah. Well, it's um, interesting yeah. to point out the second rows, Ross, because my original side had Angus and um, Madison as my second rowers. I thought um, I like Martin and I like Murray, but I think they offer better, just my own personal opinion, better uh, through the middle. And I, I think that they got good leg speed to come on, like that leg speed coming on later after the 20 minutes with a forward sort of tyre. And the other one you mentioned was Gerbo. I think that what Gerbo brings to the side is not just what he brings on the field, it's what he brings off the field. And I and I agree with you on Josh Adokar. He should have at very least made the extended squad based on what he's done in the past. And I, and I wonder how that affects morale within the side. So I'm going to come to you, Tim. I don't expect much from you being a Queenslander. But we'll give you a crack. What do you think of the New South Wales additions and subtractions? Yeah, look, boys, I think from uh, the ones, the changes that they've made, I, I like Ger Gerbo. He's not as quick as what he used to be. Uh, he's still got a bit of ball-playing ability. But the thing that Gerbo does really, really well is he slows down the tackles. Um, he, he, You watch him in any of the Manly games, he seems to spend a lot more time. He gets away with a lot, I think, but he seems to spend a lot more time holding down the plate, and that's what New South Wales needed to do. They need to slow down the speed of the ruck from Queensland, and that's exactly what Gerbo's good at these days. He's a player that's always played to his strengths, and that's definitely his strength now as he's getting a bit older. Um, Berto in, uh, coming in into centre, I think he'll play that left side outside of Luai. Um, obviously, when he was there playing with the, the Panthers last year, he did unbelievably well for the first half of the season, well, for basically the whole season. Yeah. I think the big plus there is he's only one more player out than what uh, Luai will be in attack. So that way, it's really easy just to flick that extra pass out and go to Birdo to put up those big spiralling torpedo bombs that he does that are unbelievably difficult to catch. So I see that as a massive plus. So they can go to go to Luai or go that extra pass out to Birdo for the kick. I think that's um, it's something that's, yeah, like we were saying before, it's going to take the pressure off off um, 
Nathan Cleary. But I think it's it's a really good attacking play for them to not always have to go to Luai. Um, if he can run the ball a little bit closer to the line, Birdo can sit a bit deeper and then get a kick away if they need to. Um, the other one, yeah, look, Liam Martin, I would have preferred to have Maddo there instead of Liam Martin. I think the ball-playing ability that um, gets overlooked a fair bit from Maddo would be more of an asset than what Liam Martin does. Liam Martin's very good at the crash plays and things like that, gets the ball close to the line. He's bloody hard to tackle, I understand that. But I just think um, Maddo, with his ball-playing ability, has a lot more to offer than what Liam Martin does. Outside of that, boys, I, I'm much more afraid of this New South Wales team than I was the uh, in Game 1. And uh, despite no turbo and no... Um, no trail that I, I think this is just about, I know it's got to be close to the best team you guys could have picked um, as far as fixing the problems that they had from game one. I'll just throw in there too, because I didn't mention Jerbo. Like I, I've been completely against Jerbo being picked and I actually applauded the Blues camp for not doing it in yeah. game one because I all the panels and everything went nuts about it. But at the end of the day, I, I kind of think that Jerbo got his, um, veteran treatment for the last two years. Like, I don't, I don't think Jobo's played anywhere near his best for the last two years of footy, and it's kind of gone very under the radar because he's a nice bloke. and He seems like an absolute champion. People don't want to have a go at him about it or seem to be critical of it when he hasn't played well for two years, really. And by well, I mean by his standards, obviously. Obviously still a solid NRL player. So I think the last two years he was, he was lucky to get in, and it wasn't on form. It was based on the morale, the good bloke, and the leadership and everything else. But at some point that has to end, and he just... I, I did stats for it on the All-Stars podcast. He's making one hit up every 12 minutes yeah. and he's not making any metres on it at all. And the only thing, he's got one tackle break for the year, he's got one offload for the year, he's got no tries, he's got no line breaks. The only thing that he had going for him still is that he makes a lot of tackles yeah. uh, and they're not tackles where he hurts anyone like Regan Campbell Gillard Belton, anyone either. So oh, I was all aboard him not being anywhere near the side round one and I applauded the Blues. I think his stocks went up because of what was just said then. He does slow down things. Um, I still question it, but he does offer more mobility too because if you see Jerbo is now a prop for the New South Wales side and you have someone like Campbell Gillard that definitely has his place in the right type of game, but in this type of game, if we're looking for a bit more speed in the ruck, agility and, and quickness, um, he upticks all that. So I was heaps against him in the first game, um, but the, the second game, I think his stocks went up a little bit more, so I don't hate it. I still don't love it, but I, I think he fits in a lot better now with the style that they're looking at. I, I, I think too. Sorry, I think too that we're pretty low on stocks for front row forwards in New South mm-hmm. Wales. I mean, you know, we haven't got Safidi there that year, who's been who was always good for us last year, and he's just way out of form, not even starting for his team. And then you have got Paulo, who's not really in form. You've got Cam Campbell Gillard, who, as I said, was probably a bit unlucky to get dropped. But other than that, other than outside that, there's, there's not really much for us to choose from. Like you look at Queensland, and they're they're back. They've got plenty to choose from. They're just stacked up. There's, you know, there's a plenty to choose from. We just don't have those options this year. Even though Queensland have got a lot to choose from, though, like I will say, um, I think it sort of plays to the sort of team that Queensland has too because Papa Lee only played 22 minutes in game yeah, one. that's right. So, and he's one of the big fellas and that's like the old school sort of prop. Collins did a lot of good stuff, but he was the only legitimate prop that actually played you know, okay minutes. Carrigan uh, and Tino, they're, they're both back rowers. They, they played a, a prop role, but they're actually back rowers, yeah. um, much like Gerbo, really. But they're more in their prime, uh, and then also the lock. You know, Cotter's as small as halfbacks. You know, <laughs> they're like, yeah. and he's playing in the middle too. So I, I think the New South Wales have kind of matched it. I wouldn't be surprised if if guys like Angus Crichton actually get thrown on as a front row forward because I think that's the style that New South Wales are going to going to move to to quick up that ruck and actually move the Queensland forwards around and fix the problems. 
that's actually what I was going to say a second ago was that I think that that's where Maddo could have been better. So I would have had Murray. Uh, I feel like that he's a lock anyway who could play through the forwards. The way the modern game's changing is it's more about those smaller players with the leg speed around the ruck than it is about those big bodies. As you point out, Puppy only played 20 minutes because for that first 20 minutes where the big barge is on, that's where you'd want your Hass and your RCG or your Hass and your Borlo starting. And then you'd have someone like Murray come on after 20 and you could play him through the front row. And, uh, and then move Madison into the second row. And, or, you know, there's a lot of versatility. I think um, New South Wales have a lot more depth than I think you realise. It's just not so much in those big bopper front rows, who I don't believe we need. And I just wanted to make one more co- comment on Burton. So you said that you think that New South Wales are using to put up those big kicks. I don't believe they will. The line speed of Queensland and New South Wales in an origin match would be too fast for it to get to him in those sort of sets where he bombs it down. But what I do see him playing in a kicking role is those shorter kicking. Uh, so when they, they're down in the opposition 20 and they get to him, that short kicks behind the line. And Burton played that really well for Panthers last season. And um, so before we move on to the next part, so what I wanted to talk about was um, how we think the game's going to be played, how we think this game's going to unfold. I'll come back to you again, Mark. So how do you see this one playing out with the side that New South Wales picked? Uh, look, I'm a New South Wales supporter, so of course I'm going to say I'm confident New South Wales are going to win. Yeah. Um, look, it's really hard to win in Sydney, which Queensland did though. So uh, certainly one of the things I'd say is normally in our favour favor is going to Perth because it's a neutral ground. Uh, if we're going to Queensland, it'd be a lot harder, which is what my fears are for game three. Yeah. But for game two, look, I, I do think that it'll play out um, where New South Wales will get more rubber the green. Um, I think Fitler showed some of his experience with um, the talk that he did in the media, but also behind closed doors. I do think that the ruck will be similar, but I do think that New South Wales will be able to take advantage of it. And I think that the referees will be too scared to over-penalise in it if with New South Wales' adjustments and after the wrath that they caught in game one. So people are saying, you know, it's going to be changed. They're going to call it differently. You can't go from origin one being called over here and then go, okay, cool, we're going to do it over here. It's just not going to happen. And especially, you know, there'll be an outcry. The, the, the ref will get lynched in the street. <laughs> It'll, yeah. he, he can't do it. So oh, I think the New South Wales are going to be able to, I think the ruck will be um, largely cleaned up by New South Wales a lot more. And I think they've got the players in the squad to dominate that more. And I also think that they're, um, I know it's, it's hard because that Queensland spirit's always there and Queensland are obviously going to go hard. But with all these origin series, you know, people forget it's, it's very hard to go up 2-0, regardless of where the games are and regardless of what the squads are. Very, very hard to go up 2-0. A lot of the time it does go to a decider. And the, the New South Wales team is, is really good quality. And the other thing that I think we'll see play out is I don't think that Queensland actually had massive opportunities to score points and they only scored 16. Uh, and I think that that's going to become a problem for them because even the 16, like they're relying on um, that Kalen Ponga pass, which I thought was forward, um, yeah. but anyway, uh, and it bounced around and sort of, you know, it was a lucky try. They made the most of it and they did a good job, but yeah, it wasn't too slick either. Um, and they also, the Munster strips that were happening and stuff as well, you know, it was brilliant individual play, but it wasn't like they were tearing the blues to strips um, and, and just smashing the defensive line apart everywhere. Um, so I think that Queensland might struggle for points, whereas I think that New South Wales are, actually built to be able to score points pretty well. And the biggest key for me is why I think New South Wales will win and be able to win fairly dominantly is because you won't see Cleary play that bad again. Um, he, he had a very average game. Um, he's arguably the best player in the game. 
and he got outplayed by half a dozen of the Queensland guys, including the entire spine. And I just don't see that happening again. Yeah, I think something, like everybody talks about the ruck speed in that game, and I think something that they missed was that our blockers didn't do a very good job for Cleary. I mean, I hope that that's something that's addressed. I don't know if you watched the replays of it, but ha- the minute they're going for Cleary, Hass is already running up the field. His, his job is to stay there and, and cause that um, ruck interference, if you like, for them to get to Cleary. So I found that quite frustrating. Uh, that's where well, I think that's where I think that Burton will actually come in. Look, I agree with what you yeah. said. Maybe you won't take a heap of kicks, but what you'll find with the formation and the shape that they were playing with is that Luai wasn't even there as a secondary kick option, and it's something that Mitchell Pearce got punished for for many years, where um, he had like a, a a bird at five eight and even a Timmins and some of these guys that weren't really halves, yeah. and he, he didn't ever have a second option, so he had to put in these kicks under pressure, and he got hammered for that. But the same thing happened to Cleary. Normally, ideally, you'd want an option either side of the ruck of Cleary. So he'd be able to spin it. He never even looked to spin it because Luai wasn't even there. So you're right with the blockers, but it's also the other kicker's jobs as well to give him options. Yeah, uh, that's right. Uh, so what do, what do you got to say on that, Ross? Oh, well, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not expecting New South Wales to play as bad as what they did last, the first game in the next game. I mean, especially with the changes that they've made. Um, I think we'll dominate that left side a bit this this one this game around with having Burton and Luai there together, considering they've played together before. Um, and obviously Burton will take a bit of pressure. I'm expecting a massive game from Cleary. I think he's going to have a big game. He's up going to be up for this one after after the first game. And um, yeah, I think our forwards will probably dominate with the bench that we've got as well with Talakai and Angus coming off the bench. And um, I, I can see New South Wales just trying to slow the ruck down a lot more than what it was for the first game too. Um, just for, you know, because we 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 just we just got absolutely smashed between after that twenty minute period in that first Origin game. So um, yeah, I, I think New South Wales will win by I don't know ten points or something like that. So expect Cleary. I think Cleary will get man of the match too. So I think Fitler um, got found wanting. If I'm being honest, I think that that New South Wales picked a side that they saw could put on points and play football, and they forgot about that it's actually Origin and that it's actually played different. And so, um, but I agree with you all in the sense that I see more points in this side. I think that um, when I look at the two sides, and we'll come to Queensland next, I see more points in this New South Wales side. Uh, Tim? Yeah, look, it's, it's hard to argue with anything that you guys have said. Um, look, I'll be honest, I am um, a diehard Queensland fan and, and lived in Queensland my whole life, but... Um, look, I'll be honest, I tipped New Zealand, uh, tip New Zealand, good on me, uh, New South Wales for game one, uh, and I'll probably tip New South Wales for game two as well. I think the changes that they've made and the reasons why they've made the changes are spot on. Um, I think uh, the Gerbo is in there as well for that protection on Cleary. He's just that bigger body, but he's a bit more mobile than some of the other boys, um, and he does that really well with DCE at Manly. So I think that's another reason why he's in there, is to slow the players getting through to Cleary, uh, to give Cleary more time, and then to obviously slow down the, the Queensland ruck speed. Yeah. So, yeah, look, that's uh, – I think – I was a bit dubious on the, the Talakai call, but I think because they've moved Maddo out, they need a different kind of player coming off the bench. Obviously, they've got enough players in the New South Wales team. Like, if Teddy goes down, then they could move Crichton back there. They could, I mean, they've got enough moving parts that they probably needed somebody who could play in the centres. I know with Queensland, we like to move Kurt Capewell out there when uh, when we have those issues. So he's that kind of player. He obviously played a lot in the centres when he was uh, uh, initially came into the NRL. 
So it's for him, it's not such a big change. And I think that's what they've tried to do with Talakai. They've got somebody who can play quite well in the centres, uh, but someone who can play a role in the forward pack as well. And and that's what he's there for. So yeah, look, I was I was I'll be honest, I was really skeptical about that first. I didn't really quite understand why that particular change got made. But the more I'm thinking about it, the more I read about it, it's um it seems it seems a smarter play for them. I agree with you that uh, Talakai probably has better leg speed than Maddo um, playing as a centre. But I'm not sure I agree that uh, Talakai is a better defender than Maddo is. And, no. and Maddo also can move across in that centre position and uh, even Murray. But Maddo's the one. I mean, Maddo does it quite well for Parramatta. He did it well for the Roosters as well. And um, Roosters, was the Roosters? Yeah, Roosters. Yep, yep, was yeah. the Roosters. Well, unfortunately, we lost him. Oh, no, I there too, though. One of the things with Maddo, like in the difference of players, I think Maddo's a tremendous player. I loved him all the way through juniors. I was so glad the Roosters signed him. I was unhappy that, you know, had to let go of him. Yeah. But one thing with him is that he's not an impact player. Like, I, I think that he's better than Talakai, and I, I think he'll probably go down at the end of both their careers and he'll, he'll be the better player. Yeah, yeah. And he's probably better right now. But Talakai is the type of player that can come on and be a 20-minute impact, yeah. whereas Madison is really... He's coming off the bench now for power, and I don't even think it works that well for them. As, as good as he's playing, like, I think he's, a, he's an 80-minute um, edge player, and I think that's that's where you get the best out of him. He needs to be on the field and, and have opportunities come his way, and he'll make a lot out of them. But if you say to Ryan Madison, you've got 25 minutes or 20 minutes, come off the bench and make a huge impact in a dent, he's, he's just not that type of guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I, I like yeah. him at second row. I mean, I had him and Gus as my second rowers, and I still stand by, I believe, that would have been the best um, two for us. Uh, Tim? Like, like you said, he's, he's, um, he's the kind of player that can play at top speed or his top speed for 80 minutes. He's not the Talakai that can come on and run like bloody 11 and a half second hundreds for the sake of 20 meter barge and run through and crash and that sort of stuff. And that's what they needed. They, they needed more attacking flair. Um, they need more options than just swing at the cleary and put a kick through. Um, they need more of that attacking play. And, and that's obviously what he's there for. Um, all right. I don't see him getting big minutes either. I do think he'll be just the kind of player that will, unless there's an injury to, that he moves into the centres or something, I think he will just play that 20-minute role. It might be or 15 minutes either side of half-time or something like that, and, and I think that's about what his place is going to be. Yeah, some of the stuff that Talakai done for the Sharks when he was playing off the bench, um, I agree with you. He can be that. He can really bring a lot of speed into the middle and take up those quick hits, get the ball up and play them quickly. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this game unfolds. I'll move to the Queensland side. <laughs> I don't like talking about them, but we have to, in the, in the fairness of evenness, uh, talk about the Queenslanders. And uh, so, look, they've made two changes. Both of their changes were forced. So they've got uh, Tuolagi coming in for Coates, and they have um, Flegler coming in for Cotter. Arrow. Arrow, sorry. Arrow. Right you are. Arrow coming yeah. in for so who moved in from the bench to their expanded squad, into the actual starting 17? Right. Arrows, Arrows moved into the 17. Oh, is that right? I thought so it was he, Flegler. Yeah. No, so Flegler's still in the in the extras. All right, um, right. Yeah, Arrow, Arrow moved into straight into the 17. Okay, thanks for that clarification. Like, all that homework for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get one mistake per pod. All right, so look, let's talk about the changes first. Um. Cotter out's a big one for me. Mark, what do you think? I think Cotter's a huge blow. Um, he um, 
he suited that game really well. I think it was if it was an older style Origin game, he still would have suited it, but I don't think he would have been as effective. But the fact that he can go for the 80 minutes, make a million tackles and, and have that stamina. Um, and also he's sort of speed around the ruck. Obviously, he's a transition hooker into a middle forward. It's um, I don't think that Queensland can actually um, replace that. Uh, it's going to have to be a, a communal effort from that forward pack. Yeah. And I think that that... I'm not sure whether they'll be able to play strong enough to be able to make up for Cotter not being there and dominate New South Wales as like they did in game one. Um, Arrow is a is a decent player. I, I probably had him in my 17 instead of Jeremiah Nanai. Like I, I probably had him as the 17 jersey because he can play edge very easily. He can play middle. I think he's a good player, but he's not going to be anywhere near what, what Cotter could do and he doesn't have the motor that Cotter has. So a huge loss for them and I don't think that they've actually um, been able to replace it and I don't think they will. For a lot of us that have played Supercoach for a while, we'll remember the arrow of the Gold Coast Titans. He, he's um, incredible work around the middle. And what Cotter and Carrigan both did in that Origin game was nothing short of phenomenal. But Cotter, I agree, he was like the energiser buddy. And I think he's a big loss for that side. I agree with you. I think it's going to be difficult for them to replace that energy that um, he bought, the line speed, the defence. I'll come to you first because you're a Queenslander. Timmy, what do you think of the ends and the Queensland side as a whole. Yeah, look, the, the Chirulungi, it was probably only a matter of time um, and, and it was probably only an injury LA anyway. Like, he, he was sort of certainly in the mix and, and a lot of people had him in their side, so that one's um, neither here nor there. Uh, the, the Cotter one is is massive and this is exactly why I'd be tipping New South Wales for, for this game. Um, just throw a stat at you two guys. I heard on the radio this morning, Queensland actually haven't won game two for four years. So um, the fact that it's gone to neutral territory, I did hear this afternoon that apparently uh, traditionally when games go over to Perth, uh, Perth really stick it to New South Wales. So mind you, I'm listening to radio in Queensland. So um, take that with a grain of salt. But um, from the footy players that were on and that have spoken during the week and stuff, everyone seems to keep saying that, um, that the Perth fans seem to get really behind Queensland. A lot of, um, a lot of our industry guys up here that, that work out in central Queensland and things like that, when those contracts finish up, they all go to Perth um, and, and work there, call it the off-season, call it whatever you like. But um, So, yeah, and then they obviously come back to Queensland and do the fly-and-fly-out thing. So um, I think there's, from the sounds of things, it's going to be more of a home game for us than it will for New South Wales, and that's that's great for us. But, um, yeah, not winning a, a game two for four years, I think that was um, that, that's a pretty heavy one that, that they it's being talked about in camp, um, is my understanding. So they want to fix that one. Yeah, but look... Um, the Cotter, I, I can't see where we replace 65 tackles. Um, there's nobody else in our team. I mean, um, Carrigan, I love him. He's awesome. Um, mad Broncos fan and a huge, huge fan of Paddy. Um, but, I mean, you're talking the best part of 120, 130 tackles between two blokes. You take that one bloke out of there and all of a sudden you've got to put him in there. Um, like, Nanai's not going to pick up the slack and get 60 tackles. Um Jai Arrow of five or six years ago, sure, he'd be good for 50 or 60 tackles. Now he's more good for 35 to 45 tackles on a good day. Um, he's certainly not the player that he was five or six years ago. I think that's where we're missing the depth. Um, I, I think that there's um, probably not the same the same second string of guys coming through in that in that forward pack. I think um, the, some of the young guys have really stepped up this year. But, I mean, we're, we've, over the last few years, we've dropped Corey, we've lost Moose, we've lost, um, uh, that's Josh McGuire. Um, I mean, Arrow's not what he was. We've lost, um, 
uh, so many forwards over the last few years. We've kept uh, kept the the guys um, in the backs really well. But yeah, I mean, we've lost Cam Smith, so you're talking a number of guys now that are big tackle bots that are just not there anymore. I think Cotter was our, our saving grace, and and he's gone. The other thing with Cotter too that I'll just throw in there is um, making tackles in Origin is a hell of a lot harder than making tackles Absolutely. in the NRL. So I think everybody saw the stats on the speed of the game, and that's also a, a clue on the intensity as well. So if you're making you know 65 tackles in the NRL, maybe it's equivalent to making 40 tackles in Origin because every one of those hits takes 50% more out of you, um, and those guys all have less in the tank for being in an origin game tackling than being in an NRL game tackling. So the fact that Cotter could absorb that and still do his normal work rate is pretty big because even if Arrow was doing 40, 50 tackles again in origin, it's probably more like 30, 35 because it takes that much extra out of you and the intensity's up. And that, yeah. and that's what scares me, mate. The fact that like Jai Arrow's not making 50 tackles a game in NRL level anymore. Mm. So then you take his 50 or 60 that he used to get in origin um, take it back to like what are we talking? All of a sudden, he's going to be good for 25, 30 tackles, something like that. I, I'm sure he'll get more than that, but we're missing a massive chunk of solid defense there. And when you've got these other guys trying to make up for it, um, that are fatigued more, that are having to do extra work and make up for it, that's when the ruck opens up even more. And even if it was last game, that would happen. But if it's this game and New South Wales get the rub of the green a little bit and also have a side that can dominate the ruck, and I think they're going to play through it, uh, that just it. it it's danger signs, I think, for Queensland. When the I only way, the, sorry, Glenn, the only way I think that they could combat it is maybe leave Ben Hunt on for a while longer and play Hunt and uh, and Harry, but then obviously that opens up up other issues that could be exposed. Um, but yeah, having, I mean, I know Ben Hunt can can make a tackle count in Origin, and he's proven that. Um, but obviously, he's playing halves at the Dragons. He's not a hooker anymore. But I've got no doubt he's still got it in him. Mate, I, I'll never sell Hunt short. I, I, he, he's actually highly rated by me. But the, what I saw in the first game that really made me nervous when I spoke to this about others was the bench with Grant coming on. I mean, Grant makes me nervous to start with. I mean, both spines, New South Wales and Queensland, are both very strong. But when I looked at our spine, but, uh, our bench first, their bench, I mean, we got Cook now, they got Grant. I like that. that. Um, mm-hmm. But Grant, Carrigan, Cotter. Oh, come on. I, I saw, you know, Grant uh, around the ruck play and then the leg speed of Cotter and um, Carrigan. I mean, and, and, and it proved correct. When those two came on, it literally was the difference. They lifted that side. I'll come to you, Ross. What do you think of this Queensland side, mate? Oh, well, changes obviously make sense. I mean, Talangi deserves his spot in the team. He's been probably one of the form wingers in the comp, to be honest with you. My Cowboys are just fine this year. So, um but with Cotter, that's just a massive out. It's a huge out for Queensland. Like, that ruck speed, the tackles, you know, like, it's it's just everything. Like, he's just a bunny. He just doesn't stop. He just keeps going and going. And I, I can see New South Wales exposing that, that the middle of the, the ruck for Queensland, not having him there making those tackles. And then not having Carrigan coming on after 20 minutes and, you know, exposing our, our weak, you know, forwards that are tired after 20 minutes because he's starting, like... He's going to probably come on. He'll probably play like the first 20, 30 minutes. And then I can see him getting taken off because he's just going to be exhausted from making so many tackles. And I can really see New South Wales exposing the middle. And I think Cod um, is just a massive loss. Like he's just, he's just been come from nowhere this year. He's just been absolutely a, probably one of the best forwards in the game this year. So mm-hmm. it's just a huge out for Queensland. It really is. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, Arrow is a good player. He can play, as you said, in the middle or on the edge or wherever. But I just think that's a massive loss for them. And like, they're definitely going to miss him. Who Cameron Munster reminds me of, and I mean, I'm sure Queensland viewers probably agree, agree with it, is as, as to the impact he has in origin, is Wally Lewis. He's not the same kind of body, but the impact that Lewis used to have when he came on, or what he was always on as the six. And, uh, but Munster has that same X factor when he plays. He's just a, 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 he's the one I wish wasn't in the side. He, he frustrates me. All right, guys, look, we'll move on to the next section, which I was going to talk about the actual coaches. So I firstly, I want to talk about Fittler and then talk about um, Slater. And what I'll do, we'll, we'll talk about Fittler first. So what do you think of Fittler as a coach, Mark? Um, oh, geez, that's a loaded question for me. So, uh, <laughs> I'll be honest, don't worry. Um, I've been um, I've been pretty heavy Um on my criticism of um, some of the media narratives around Fitler and also some fan narratives around him as well. Um, I, I disagree with a lot of it. Um, I don't think he's the best coach ever, but he's also someone who's still got a lot of time in his coaching career. And I just, um, I, I, I understand that I might be in the minority with some of my thinking, but I'm more than happy to be because I just, uh, some of the things like um, Fitler being outcoached by Billy Slater is again, just a ludicrous media headline, just grabbing clicks. And that's all it is. Um, there was, there's nothing in that game one from Queensland that was any different than what you would expect those Queensland players to play at. Uh, there was nothing, there was no Billy fingerprints on there. There was a lot of Melbourne players and a lot of players in general that like to slow the ruck down anyway. And Queensland generally have that type of style which can, can suit origin really well as well. Um, and they're just, there was nothing revolutionary about what Queensland were doing. Like I said, their attack scored 16 points and it was off a lot of individual efforts, which are guys like Munster making these huge plays. There was really nothing to tell me that, that Slater outcoached Fittler. Um, with what Fittler um, actually did, I think it can also get um, lost in all of it that, um, you know, I was chatting about this on the All-Stars podcast a few weeks ago and laughing a little bit about Luke Garrity that jumps on and he's always great. He's a fantastic footy brain, but... You know, one of the things we were saying is um, it's every time Origin comes around, um, there's Fitler criticism. But when a series is won or the game's won, you don't hear it again. Um, but the same stuff comes up every year, right? So there was all the selection stuff this year again. Now, when he put Tom Trevojevic in the centres, everyone said the same stuff. Why are you putting a fullback at centre? What is this? You know, is it silly playing guys out of position? Whiten, at the start, when he put him at centre, he played great. And even this time, we got Whiten bashing again. He was our best player. You know, like nobody ever comes back and apologises, but everybody goes back and just be quiet until the next series and then says Fitler can't coach. He's won three out of four series. Um, and then the other argument as well is, well, he's not a good coach because, you know, the players have carried him to those. He didn't have a Queensland dynasty with a spine that was going to all be immortals. Not at all and not even remotely close. Maybe Nathan Cleary will get there one day. Tedesco probably won't, but he'll be, you know, up there. But Damien Cook's nowhere near a Cameron Smith. And that team that New South Wales have had the last four years haven't been anywhere near it. And, and people forget that before that, there was a dynasty and Fittler had to actually engineer a new way of looking at everything for New South Wales as a team, as a program, everything. And he ripped it all up and started again. And the result is he's won three out of four. And if he wins this game, he's going to be one off winning that third game to coming four out of five series, which not very many coaches do at state of origin level. So I think that Fitler is a good coach. Um, and I think that he fits certain, um, certain teams and certain 
certain aspects of rugby league better than others for sure. And he's still got a lot of growing to do and he can make mistakes, but a lot of coaches do. And I think the criticism is sometimes unwarranted um, to a degree. Um, and it's a bad trait of New South Wales fans. You know, we, we, um, we don't stick loyal as much and support as much as what we like to criticize sometimes. Um, and it's a little bit unfortunate. Whereas, you know, I always say Queensland are the wrong end of the spectrum too. That is the other side where they don't want to criticize at all. And everyone's the best player ever and should be immortal. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's, just, it's what both camps do, but yep. Yeah, Fittler, for me, you know, not the best coach ever. Still got a lot of time to improve, um, but I wouldn't say he's a bad coach at all. Interesting. You touched on a couple of points there that I want to um, talk about. So one of them was the Storm influence. Um, so Billy Slater being the coach who came through the Storm system, um, to me it was no surprise that they were going to play a very Storm-like game. Uh, look, I think Fittler's a good coach too. Um, the problems I have with Fittler at times is based around selection. But unlike others, I really like Turbo Luttrell um, selections at centre, left and right centre. I thought that was great. And I loved that when Fittler came in, he changed the attitude of what it meant to be to play New South Wales. You know, to play for our state now meant something. And he made that uh, something. You know, I remember going with my whole family, my kids and my ex, everyone, went to the origin where we won um, the year before last, before COVID. And, uh, and it was fantastic to watch. We were right up high and just watching the structure, the way the game was played. You know, look, I, I'm a big fan of Fittler, uh, but I'm, and I'm a big fan of Greg Alexander too. I think, yes. um, you know, I, I think people undersell his influence on that. My, my problem sometimes stems with, I feel like we don't always pick the best forwards that we've got. But, um, you know, I don't know the brainstorm that's going on there. And as you rightly pointed out, look, Fitler's record speaks for itself. Um, given the last 15 years or at least last 10 years of origin, Fitler's certainly given New South Wales something to rejoice and enjoy and again and to, to get behind. So yeah. I'll, I'll just quickly jump in and throw in on the selection one that you throw up there as well. Like, I agree. Like I, even though I'm a supporter of Fitler and his coaching style, I've, there's teams in the last four years where I've picked and changed two or three spots that I would have. But one of the things I think that we forget is that we're choosing on form and, you know, what, how we see players go at NRL level. Whereas from Fittler's perspective, I do think if people stop and, and listen to what's said in the New South Wales camp, you actually understand why he's picked certain players because he's trying to win a game of footy yep. and he's trying to do it in a structure and a strategy that he thinks is going to get him a win. And he's been successful at that. But what that means is that sometimes on form or even the better player isn't necessarily going to be the best fit for how he thinks that they're going to win the series. Yeah, well, I was quite critical of Whiten, and I'm happy to say that I was wrong. I mean, Whiten stood up, and he he, he played a good game. Uh, I really like what Whiten done, and it's a shame that he doesn't get to play this game because he was one of our – well, he was our best player. In my I opinion. had Campbell Graham there, and he was amazing, Whiten, so I would have been silly <laughs> if yeah. I put him there after how Whiten played. Yeah, well, I had Campbell Graham there too. I had Graham and Critter. So that, and like you said, we go on based on what we see week to week. Um, but I, I didn't mind the idea of Whiten playing 14. He was my, it was Burton or Whiten for me at 14. Uh, Ross? Yeah, I don't mind Freddie as a coach. I think he's done a pretty good job with what he's done with New South Wales over the last four or five years since he's been in charge. And he's not afraid to make, you know, out of position, you know, decisions and stuff as well, putting blokes like Latrell and Tommy and the centres. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a fan when I saw that Jack Whiten was picked in centres like a lot were, lot were and, we're sitting there shaking our head going, why are we leaving out blokes like Campbell Graham, who's probably one of the best centres in the comp? What's, what's, why, why is he doing this? But 
he's been around long enough to he knows what he's doing. That's the thing. Like he's 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 you know Jack Jack Watton's actually quite a decent defender. I actually think like in the centres, not not in the halves. I don't think he is for Canberra, but yeah, I'm pretty. I'm, I look. I, I don't I don't mind him as a coach. I think he's okay. I as for club level, I don't know how you go coaching a club at club a team at club level, but. I think he's he's there he's he's made for Origin as a coach, but probably not so much as a club coach. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't mind him. I think he's I think he's doing a pretty good job with what he's had. I mean, you look at the Queensland squad they've had the last few years, and you know you've got blokes like Cameron Smith, Billy Slater, and that there, and I think he's done a pretty good job with what he's what he's got to work with. Yeah, I, it, one of the things I liked about Fitler was I, I you probably remember a few years ago what he did with Lashawn Mitchell when Latrell Mitchell was being a bit of a mug and he just he yeah. didn't let him near the side and made Latrell earn his way back. And when he did, like, look what he did, Latrell. Um, look, what are, you, what are your thoughts on our coach, Timmy? The tough one, boys. I, I like listening to this chat with you guys because obviously being in Queensland, we don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could stick bloody Farmer Brown out there and wouldn't get two roots. The Queensland media actually don't get a, uh, as, a, as upset about it as you boys do. Um, we just put someone in there that's bloody origin royalty and we know he's going to get more origin royalty blokes around him. And, um, I mean, obviously Billy's the one that's having the final say on everything, but I've got no doubt that it's more of a coaching panel, coaching team, coaching whatever, and then uh, throw Alfie in the mix with the Queensland boys and get anything can happen. Um, up here, like, we just don't seem to hear mm. as much of the bitching and moaning. You guys certainly bitch and moan about Freddie more than what we do. Um, we don't need to put shit on him. Your, your state does enough of it. I, I, I'm interested to see. I know there's been a lot of talk lately about maybe he takes a bulldog's job or, um, or gets one of these vacant coaching gigs. I'm, I'm interested to see what your brains are thinking as to how that would go. Freddie's done a really good job, as far as I can see from from the outset. I, I've never been a Freddie fan. Um, it's a bit like I'm. I can't stand Joey Johns and. Don't get me started on that immortal horseshit. Um, that's a whole other issue in itself. I could sit here for hours bitching mode. But as far I agree as with you. He shouldn't have been the eighth. He should have been like the fourth or fifth. He had to wait too long. Oh, <laughs> um, hold on. Just give me a second. <laughs> oh, yeah. That makes me better. Um, righto. Um, yeah. Anyway, look, as far as Freddie goes, I, I think because Queensland won, played so well and played the game so differently and won for so long, you guys needed a coach that had to come in and do something different. And let's be honest, that's exactly what Freddie is. The bloke is about as different as they come. He brought in all the new different coaching styles, the walk on the grass with your shoes off and uh, and doing the whole breathing thing. And that sort of started then coming into the NRL, the whole mindset, changing the mindset of players and coaching origin completely differently. I'd be really interested. I think he's a great coach for Origin. He's got, what, six or eight days to get boys in that can all play footy together. He's got to try and find a way to get through to them all so they can all play footy together instead of coming from bloody 16 different teams. Um, I think he's great at that. I'm very interested to see how he would go at coaching NRL for 40 weeks a year and, um, and, and do the same sort of thing. Would he be the same kind of coach or would he go back to being a traditional NRL coach like all the other NRL coaches are? Is he the kind of bloke that can have, a, have his own dynasty like Buddy Bellamy or Bennett or any of those guys? I'm not convinced. But, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts because, like I said, we don't hear the shit up here that you guys do. 
I've been waiting for you to end on that. So um, <laughs> last year, New South Wales had the opportunity to do something that no one's ever done before, which was win three nil in Queensland. And I heard a lot of whinging and whining from Jordan Tallis, um, Wally Lewis, and all the, the usual suspects. The, I'm sure Corey Parker had something to say yeah, too. Parker had a lot to say. <laughs> Parker and that other one, what, Hodgson, they, what's that show that they were doing up in Brisbane? And they were blaming everyone but the, the farmer's wife for, um, for what was going wrong in Queensland last year. But having look, the squad that they had last year is nothing near what they got this year. I mean, and it's a, the, the fact that the, the Broncos and the Cows are doing well, I mean, the Cows, just off topic, have recruited incredibly well, I think, by bringing youth into, their, um, into that side. And I think that's what Origin needs more of, is that sometimes people go too much with what's worked and, and don't bring enough of that youth in, in, in between all that. All right, before we move on, um, is there anything else anyone wanted to say on Fitler before we get to Slater? Oh, uh, just, oh, oh, no, you oh, go, uh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, just I guess same sort of thing as like what you were saying, Glenn. Look look at the two coaches that the Cowboys and the Broncos have brought in, though. They're both two different coaches. They're not traditional-style coaches. Up at the Cowboys, he has got his ass kicked numerous times for making the tough decisions, like putting Tom Malolo, their million-dollar man, on the bench playing him for half an hour and all that, and he's copped so much shit for it. Look at where they are now. He's he's not afraid to make the tough decisions. Obviously, Kevy had a bit of a baptism of fire last year. Um, the Bronx have been shit for three years, but look at where they are now. Um, so maybe Freddie being a different style of coach, maybe, maybe these are the blokes that are coming through now. I can tell you now, teaching these kids that are coming through, I've been teaching 18 years and my job is very different to what it was 18 years ago. The kids now are very different to what they were 18 years ago. I don't think the NRL is any different. I think the players now are different to what they were 18 years ago. They'd have a fight and they'd have a beer after the game and everything was good. I think things are a bit different now. Yeah, and I wanted to touch on your point too about how Fitler would go at club land. Like, um, I actually think that it gets a little bit, um, like a lot of things in sport especially, everyone looks at things in black and white. You know, he's, he's going to be good at this. He's not going to be good at this. When, like in life, most of the answers are in that grey area. Uh, and it's the same thing with NRL coaches. There's so many coaches that if you put them in a different situation than what they've been in, if they've been experiencing success for a decade, they'd be experiencing a lot less success and they might have even been sacked in a different situation. Uh, they just don't work the same in every club, even the best ones. Uh, it's re- you've really got to be top of the line. But, I mean, someone like Wayne Bennett went to Newcastle and ostensibly failed, yeah. uh, you know, and people forget these type of things. Brad Fittler, I think, will be an excellent coach of the Bulldogs. In fact, yeah. I think he's the number one option for them. I don't think they can do any better yeah. because his fit with Gould is perfect because both of them have the relationship and the respect for each other where he'll be allowed to do his job, but he's also got the confidence to say, hey, Gus, rack off. I'm doing it this way. And Gus will actually say, okay. There's very few people that Gus have that, has that respect for where he'll be able to do that and take his hands off. They'll work marvellously together. That's a huge deal. The roster lends itself to Fittler. As much as he's left guys like Ado Kari out, he has a relationship with Josh um, and other guys that are on there too. Him and Matty Burton. I mean, Matty Burton's an aspiring 5'8 of the future for the next decade as a star in the NRL, and Brad Fittler's an arguable immortal at that position. You know, There's a lot of big boxes that get ticked, whereas if you put Brad Fittler at the Tigers... I don't think he'd go anywhere near as well. Um, and he might even quit after two years because I don't think he'd like it. Um, but Madge Maguire is there at the moment and then he gets sacked. But people forget that Madge Maguire went to South and was very successful and won a premiership. And, exactly and people right. can say as much as they like that, oh, well, you know, it was the players. But South, South weren't, you know, the number one team or anything to win a premiership that year. They were, they were a contender. They had a good squad. 
But Madge built them for a couple of years and, and got them to a premiership. Now, his coaching style worked for that team and for that club and what they had. It yeah. didn't for the Tigers, and it probably never was going to, to be honest. It's the same thing with Fiddler. You know, I think he's a good coach. And for the Bulldogs, I think he's absolutely perfect and no one will be better. Last thing with him on the Bulldogs, he's got the profile as well and the respect. One thing that you'll notice with every Origin player that's ever been in camp with Fittler, let alone played for him, but guys that just were there, all want to get on the field and die for him. Every one of them loves playing for Brad Fittler. And he has that relationship with all those sort of players. And that's a really, really strong quality of his that he can bring to a club. And, and, and that'll really help him. I just wanted to address three things. So firstly, Brad Fittler is an immortal, in my opinion, always will be, as you just said. Um, one of the best five eights to ever play the game. And um, even in lock, when he, every, anywhere he played, he was good. Um, two, I agree with that, um, what you were saying, which is what I was going to lean to, was I think that he will draw players uh, uh, being there. And uh, I remember when he had that stint at the Roosters, and I think a lot of people forget that the Roosters uh, want success now. Whereas with the Bulldogs, that's not going to be so much the issue where they he can uh, uh, be a little bit innovative and have some time to build towards building a proper roster based around, um, you know, what he sort of sees in the future. So I, I really think Bittler is a perfect fit for the Dogs. I, I really do. At the Roosters, too, that was 15 years ago, which people yeah. forget. He was actually the youngest coach in the NRL when he took over at that point. And there was no one even close to his age, and he was only three years removed playing. So he was coaching some guys that he was playing with a few years before in his first coaching job or coaching in any capacity. He'd never had any coaching experience at all. So you just throw that out the window because that was just an absolute baptism of fire, and it was so bad that he actually said, I don't want to coach again. And, and actually what you bring up, there's a very important fact, is the fact that he played with players, um, it was very hard for him to distinguish himself as coach and not mate. You know yeah. what I mean? Like when you've played with these guys, they're your mates. You know, they're the guys. That you, so now he's seen differently. You know what I mean? So the respect level would be differently. And 15 years is a long way to learn. You know what I mean? I believe you would have learned a lot in between that duration. All right, we'll move on to Billy Slater. We'll start with you this time, Tim Cinder of Queenslander. Billy Slater, what do you think about his appointment? Yeah, look, I guess similar sort of thing to 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 Freddie. Like he's a he's a different kind of coach. Obviously, he's spent a lot of time with Bellyache, um, and and in the system there. And I think I I had no doubt whatsoever that that Cam Smith was coming straight in. I had no doubt JT was coming straight in. The the guys lived and breathed Origin footy for so long. But not only that, they they have worked so well together for so long. Um, and played a lot of rep footy together. So there's obviously a, a lot of brain smarts there, a lot of guys that know a lot about footy. So I'm not surprised that they basically decide to put together their own coaching team. Um, I've got no doubt that Billy's still got the final say, but um, I, I, I think you, you he would be crazy not to be leaning on those guys fairly heavily. Um, look, I think it's a great fit for Origin. He's a, he's a different kind of bloke. Um, he's, uh, he's one of the boys, but at the same time, He's a, he's a fairly quiet guy too. And you can see his thinking processes on the coaching panel, like not on the coaching panel, on the um, commentary panels and things like that all the time. He, you can see his brain's ticking over and he's thinking about different stuff that other guys aren't necessarily thinking about when they're talking footy. So, look, I like it. I think it's a, he's a great, great coach for the short period. I, again, I guess it's kind of like the fitness thing. I'd be interested to see how he would go long-term in a coaching thing. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the next bellyache going to Storm. Uh, I could see he'd be the guy that would 
go into that system. I've got no doubt he's probably made some phone calls. Obviously, Bellamy's a uh, an ex-New South Wales coach, but I've got no doubt that Billy's probably asked him for plenty of um, advice about coaching and just uh, preparation and things like that. But I'm, I'm sure Billy's all over it anyway. So, yeah, I think as far as a coach goes, I think he's made the right decisions. Um, we've talked about the, the, the pluses and minuses of the squads, but, um, yeah, I, I think he's been a good appointment. Yeah, I, I really like uh, Slade. He was, in my opinion, one of the best players I've ever seen. And I've watched football for a lot of years and, and very meticulous when you listen to what people say about him in his preparation. Uh, Mark? Yeah, I actually think that it was a really good appointment. Um, I, I probably will say, and this will sound like a criticism, but it's actually the opposite. It's actually to protect Billy. I, I think that people need to pump the brakes a little bit too because um, I'd hate to see Billy get put up with all these expectations that Queenslanders are rightly going to have and even just the wider community to say he's this great coach. And even the, the comments about, oh, he, he outcoached Fittler and he dominated the Blues and all this, it, it's way too early. We don't even know what type of coach he's going to be yet. He's got the potential to be a fantastic coach. He's got the brains for it. He's got the demeanour for it. He's got the respect for it. And he's got the playing resume for it. He, he's a perfect fit for it, but we just don't know yet. So I'll, I'll reserve judgment on, on how good I think he'll be until we see a bit more because I don't think we've seen anything yet. But I am, I do have a slight concern um, on how much it will affect him. And I hope that it doesn't get to that where he'll get put up a little bit too high, like if they win this series especially. And then all of a sudden when he has his failures, which are going to happen, and he has his, his learnings, which are going to happen because it's very natural to. I mean, Todd Payton, for two years, I said, was an awful coach. Um, and he even showed um, trappings of that at the start of this year. But he's learnt a lot in that two and a half years. And credit to him, he's actually changed things. But two years ago, he was terrible. Um, and he's not now. Billy Slater, um, unfortunately, with his resume uh, and what he's done all around football um, and also being front and centre in the media and everywhere, he's going to have a really big fall and it could um, really debilitate a good coaching career potentially um, if people don't pump the brakes a little bit on him. So I, I think it's a great fit, I think especially with the panel that he's got there. But one of the best learnings that you can have in sport is failure. Yep. And once we see him fail then you'll see how much of a better coach he's going to be in the future. Yeah, I, look, that's almost on par with what I wanted to say, was that you, you really judge coaches by what they do through those um, tough periods, you know, like, uh, and, and he will get them, you know, whether it's now or whether it's down the track. I, I, I like the idea of Slater, but he still has, you know, um, some learning to do. And, and Peyton, I agree with you. I, I've never liked Peyton. I, I feel like, what he's done well this year is brought youth and energy into the side, and I think that that's maybe where the mistake was he made. Uh, Ross? Well, it's hard to – it's kind of hard to judge, I mean, isn't it really? I mean, he's in his first series and first time as a coach too, but, like, obviously, you know, he was the right fit for the position. He's got JT to bounce off. He's got Cam Smith to bounce off as well. Um, but, yeah, I just think need to see a bit more first to see how he goes. I can see him taking over Bellamy as coach at the Storm, but – whether, you know, whether that's in the next couple of years or whether, you know, they keep him running in, as Queensland coach for a while first just to see how he goes. I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes as if he does take over the storm, you know, not having folks like Cam Smith and JT and that to lean on. But, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, I think he's a good fit for it, to be honest with you. So, yeah, there's not much more to say. I've got much to say on it. So, yeah, coaching in clubland and coaching three games of origin is a hell of a lot yeah. different, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's the one thing. 
that's what I was saying before. That, those boys know what it takes in a short period of time to put bodies together yeah. for a, a particular purpose. Um, th- those guys have played so much rep footy; <laughs> they they know the system in and out, and they know what's what you got to do in two weeks. Whether they can drag it out over forty weeks, let's see. I, I, no, think, I think that's a long way off anyway. I, I can't see him. He's not going to be putting his hand up for the Tigers' job. He's not going to put his hand up for the Bulldogs' job. It would be uh, a huge mistake if Bellaby steps away next year and they put Slater straight in. It would no, be absolutely. a massive mistake. He, he would need to do like Stephen Kearney, like those other – look at the, the um, head coaches we've got now who have bought their time as assistant coaches. Some of those coaches are going to be really, really good coaches because they've been in good systems for a long time. Um, I think Bill needs to do that. Um, I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to come straight out of origin and then grab a club and win a premiership. I don't see that happening. In- well, especially especially with the amount of players that Melbourne are losing next year as well. I mean, we've seen what Bellamy can do. He's probably the best coach in the NRL by far. Like, Bennett's up there too, obviously. But what Bellamy can do with these players who have come from other clubs that aren't great players at other clubs, the way he, the way he turns them into absolute gun players, like, you know, Billy Slater's not going to do something like that. He's not going to come there and do that in Melbourne. And I think, honestly, think Melbourne are going to struggle next year too, to be honest with you, just with the amount of players that they're losing. Like, they'll always be a top eight team, but I don't think they'll be that, that force next year that they've always been where they're going to be in the top four on a regular basis, especially once Bellamy goes too. What I was going to say was that when you're coaching Origin, there's not a lot of coaching really that needs to be done. It's more about building relationships and, um, you know, I mean, there's obviously some coaching, but the coaching that you would do in a, a week-to-week grind is a hell of a lot different. You know, I mean, you don't have the – every player that plays Origin is a class player that pretty much knows what they're doing, you know what I mean? It's just all about game plans and stuff. All right, we'll move on to the last and final topic. So this one won't go for too long. What I wanted to just quickly um, touch on was do you think they're doing enough to advertise the game? When I look at the games of the old and I see the – um, Harrigans and the Carols holding each other, you know, pulling each other in and, um, the, you know what I'm talking about, that old-time kind of biff. Uh, I, I just don't think that the grudge seems to – I don't think the players and the coaches are doing enough to advertise the game. I'll, I'll come to you first, Mark. Do you have an opinion on that, mate? Oh, boy, this is a loaded one too. Um, <laughs> I only come loaded. <laughs> asking someone that um, <laughs> that consults and owns a marketing company uh, to make people money and advertise uh, what the NRL is doing at the moment with it, oh, I, I think it's terrible, um, honestly. Um, and it's it, it's a lot of different reasons. Um, like I think that, one, they're scared. Yeah. Um, and it's a, obviously it's a lot more PC and things and everything else, but they're too scared. Um, the way they're targeting their marketing, I've got a huge problem with because you know there's there's the old um, there's the old non PC saying of you know get the soccer mums to the games, and, and that's what they're looking at really. You know they're getting the the mums involved and the girls involved and stuff. Where look, the, the reality is, it's just it's just gone way overboard. Where you've got to go for um, your target market as well, and they're just missing that mark too much. So that's one thing. You know they're. They're leading their rusted on fans to get more rusty, um, which is something you don't want to do. And they're doing it, um, sacrificing that to get people in that are always going to be casual for the most part. So I just hate the way they're targeting their marketing. But the other thing with the actual marketing is I think that's something that's happening in a lot of sport is that because of the, all the different platforms and things now, um, that you're probably not seeing it all because they're really focusing on online stuff. 
They're really focusing on social media stuff. They're really focusing on different things. But when you do that and you've got a similar marketing budget, what ends up happening is that you don't get as many glossy TV ads and radio gets pulled right back because the radio listenership is ostensibly quite down. Although in rugby league circles, I'd say it's actually bucked that trend and it's still up. So I think that's a lot of what you see. Um, them using other media that isn't as visible to the whole audience just for certain people. So you only get snippets of it depending on what age bracket you're in or what you look at. And the other thing too is that how they're actually marketing it. Uh, I, I don't particularly love, like you'll never see um, an ad from 15 years ago where you see an all in blue, where you yeah. see uh, the ad for, for Origin coming in a month is going to be someone yelling out cattle dog and then a massive brawl happening and this third grade hooker, you know, busting Joey Johns's mouth open. You know, you're not going to see that, yeah. but that's the sort of stuff that can really get you going. So their hands are tied a little bit, but I do agree a little bit that um, they, they should be doing a better job. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. I'll, I'll come to you first, Ross, and then I'm going to come back to you, Mark, and put you on the spot to see what you think that um, they could do, uh, especially the coaches and the players. So I'll come to you first, Ross. Do you think um, there's not enough being done to advertise the origin spectrum? Yeah, I think so. I pretty much agree with what Mark says, to be honest with you. There's not really much more to add to it. I mean, in, uh, that's not just the advertising. It's all sorts of stuff. You know, they're talking about people not going to the games. Well, look how much it costs to go to a game of footy these days. Look how much, you know, you take your family to the footy and it costs you 100 bucks up for feed. Like, if, if you've got to buy food and stuff, like, everything, it's not just NRL, it's everywhere. And I get, you know, everything's going up and, you know, we've got to do this and we've got to do that. But... They're just not doing enough, as far as I'm concerned. To the games behind where it, where it used to be at, and um, it's disappointing to see where we're sitting at in regards to crowds and stuff at the games and stuff in particular. Interesting. So, Mark, is there anything you think that the coaches or the players could do more? You know, like I, I think back to Gallon when he made the two head comments, or some of the um, you know some of that little niggle stuff that they used to say. The players used to say. But it's almost like they've all been stifled to not speak. Don't don't give them any inspiration. Like they need more inspiration for Origin. Yeah, well, I think there's two big points to that. Like I think the first one is um, you've stamped that out of the game, um, and as a society, we've stamped that out of the game, which is a real shame. Um, and if the NRL had a bit more of a backbone, uh, they wouldn't. But unfortunately, with the NRL, um, one of the things that I don't like is that they they always fold under uh, under social and community pressure. Even if they're right, they will do that. Yeah. And if I was a player um, 20 years ago, I would have said a lot of stuff. Um, but now, well, I wouldn't say anything because it's not worth me getting fined 25 grand or, or losing a couple of matches. And, and that's what happens. And you don't even have to say much. You know, Gallon lost 25 grand for swearing on Twitter and it was his own account. Um, and that wasn't that long ago as well. You know, it's you just can't, you just can't say anything anymore out of context. And it's sort of hard because everybody jumps up and screams and talks about the cliches and everybody's sounding the same and not saying anything different, but we're the cause of that. Yeah. Um, so it, that's really hard. So and I don't know if we're ever going to really get out of it. But the second point that's really important is um, one of the things that the American sports do quite well is that they really hold um, the players accountable for uh, media appearances and promotions yeah. and different things and whatever, because their CBA, their collective bargaining agreements with players on what they get paid and their benefits is actually linked to the revenue that those sports bring in. Now, people forget that that's actually one of the big arguments that happened, you know, almost a decade ago with CBA that the NRL is currently under where the players actually said, hang on, we want a lot more money 
because the NRL is actually making more and more and more and more, and our wages aren't going up that much. And if without the players, you're not going to get in. So they got, oh, I think it was 40%. So 40% of the revenue that the game makes is based on what the players now get paid. But they used everything from the NRLPA to say that we want to be partners with the game. Okay, we should be partners. We're the players. We're running the game with you guys. We want to know about everything that you're doing. We want to know about your plans. We want to be a part of it. And the NRL went, okay, look, we're going to give you your money, but it's a partnership, okay? So we expect you to help us with the game as well. And nothing has been done. You know, what a player does today is either the same or worse than what they were doing 10 years ago. And it's really easy to blame the players, and I will. I think it's piss poor, and some of the clubs as well, especially because they're protecting their players and they're protecting themselves. They don't want to say stuff. We all get annoyed about the changes an hour before a game that we knew were going to happen. They're just dumb. Um, or injuries like in Supercoach where somebody's meant to play the next week for six weeks, but they know they're never playing, but they just don't give you the information. For that type of stuff, you actually get fined in the NFL and potentially yeah. docked points too. Um, but I digress. The point is, you know, you can blame the players, but the NRL has made a rod for their own back. And by being weak with all their management, in my opinion, um, this is the result of it. What they should be doing and what I would change is that I would remind people what their CBA is, why they're getting paid, what they do, and what their roles are. And every job's got their own job descriptions. 75% of an NRL player's job description is playing footy and go to training. There's another 25% there. And if you don't want to fulfil it, you shouldn't be getting paid all the money. Uh, and, and they should be held accountable for that as much as what they do with them is a training session. Interesting. All right, we're going to finish up with the last question, which is a pretty simple one. What, who wins in the second game and by what score, Ross? New South Wales, 26-12. And, yeah, clear men of the match. Nice. Mark? I'm going to go New South Wales, 28-10. to 10, uh, And I'll go Teddy, men of the match. Yeah, nice. I like it. So I, I actually uh, agree with Teddy, man of the match one. I, I'm down for that. And I actually think 22-10 is my scoreline. All right, guys, we're going to finish up tonight. I just want to say thank you, Mark, for coming on tonight. And um, just before I get you to say anything else, um, make sure everybody out there that follows our page, check out the uh, NRL All-Stars podcast. It really is one of the better podcasts. And I'm not just saying that because uh, um, he's on. I'm saying it because it's actually true. It is one of the generally better podcasts. Thank you, Mark, for coming on. Oh, look, thanks very much. Very kind words, guys, and I appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun, um, and, yep, the, I appreciate you saying that about the podcast. Love getting a bigger audience and people listening more, so certainly tune in. Follow us on Twitter and NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. You get all the up-to-date stuff, but Spotify, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Amazon, Audible, everything, you know, just search NRL All Stars. You'll find the podcast and give us a go. But I, I appreciate you letting me come on. It was a lot of fun. I'll do it again. Yeah, cheers. And, Ross, thank you, mate, as always, for no coming worries. Not a problem. All right, guys. We'll finish it there. Uh, Tim's obviously left us, so I'll say goodbye for Tim. I want to win. I want that trophy. I want that trophy. I want that trophy.